What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. I am your host, Chris. You can bet we're going to open up the show talking about all the injuries yesterday. Wow. I, I cannot remember in all my years as a football fan a single day with that many major injuries or injuries in general, not even just major, just injuries in general. Uh, and we're, we're going to get to it because there is quite a few things that can impact your fantasy football team as far as the injuries go. And not only to your offensive players, but some key defensive players that could really, really hurt what we thought was going to be some pretty stellar defenses. Not that you're going to drop them, just you're going to have to be aware that they may not be as strong as they were before this past weekend. I hope you all had a good weekend. Hope you uh, had some good luck on your fantasy team. Hopefully the injury bug did not bite too hard, but it bit a lot of people. Uh, and obviously, the legitimate concern is for the the real people. You know, fantasy football is fun, but these are real human beings who got injured. But I wish them all a speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll get back on the field as soon as possible. But let's get into it because it's 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 quite a list. Number one, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are really upset about this one. Giants superstar running back Saquon Barkley. Tore his ACL. He is done for the season. He's not coming back this year. I think I jinxed this guy last episode. I came out right away and said, don't worry about him. He's going to be fine. He's the focal point of the offense. And if he was healthy and on the field, those things are true. However, he is not torn ACL, done for the season. If you have an IR spot, you have a keeper league, you have the potential to keep him next year, absolutely do that. Uh, because... He's a young player who, even though he missed a few games last year with injury, bounced right back, had a very nice season. He was a superstar his rookie year. Next year is only going to be his fourth season. He can absolutely come back, heal from this, be a game-changing player again. So if you have the ability to keep him next year, I would do that. If it's just a standard redraft league you're in and there's no keepers, drop him. He's taking up a space on your bench, and you're not going to be able to use him again. So there, there's no point in... Uh, just filling up a bench spot with a player you can't use. Next up is Cortland Sutton, the up-and-coming star receiver for the Denver Broncos, someone they really had high hopes for this season. Uh, there wasn't any specific details given that I could find as of recording, but uh, the way the Broncos are saying it is he is done for the year, tore up his knee really bad. So you don't exactly know what muscle or tendon that would be, they haven't really said information as far as I know, but they have said he's done for the year, tore up his knee. So again, much like Saquon Barkley, if you're just a standard redraft league and you don't have a keeper or an IR spot, you can let him go, release him, because they put him on IR, season-ending IR, he can't come back no matter what. So those guys are done uh, on the defensive side of the ball because some fantasy podcasts do ignore the defensive side, but it is important, especially when you have a superstar player, a game-changing superstar player who is injured and doubt for the season, which is the case with the 49ers defensive end, Nick Bosa, defending uh, defensive rookie of the year, tore his ACL. I believe it was his ACL. He's done for the year. They've announced he's out for the year. Malik Hooker, the uh, standout safety for the Indianapolis Colts, somebody who made that Colts defense formidable and and drafted much higher than people might think in recent fantasy drafts 
he is done for the year. I believe that's also an ACL. A lot of ACLs yesterday, unfortunately. Uh, so that's, as of the recording of this, those are the players who are announced done for the year. And on top of defensive players like Von Miller and a few others, it's already been quite quite a year for, for people who are going to be looking forward to 2021. Uh, also, some other major injuries that are not season-ending, but y- you don't know exactly the, the timetable for recovery. Uh, on top of Saquon Barkley, who was, I'd have to say, the consensus two or three overall pick in the past fantasy drafts. The consensus number one pick, Christian McCaffrey, uh, he will be out for, I believe they said four to six weeks with an ankle injury. Uh, you never know. There's a, he's a young guy, good condition, could bounce back sooner. They're not going to take a chance with him, though. They know he is the centerpiece of their offense and their franchise. So the Panthers are going to be very, very cautious with him. But he will miss some time. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo also went down yesterday. He's believed to miss about four to six weeks. Again, with his ankle injuries, sprains and strains, Things can change. Some guys take shorter, some guys take longer. But you're going to want to keep an eye on that. But unless some kind of miraculous thing were to happen, he's not playing for the next couple of weeks. Sterling Shepard with the Giants also. On top of Barkley, they lost Shepard yesterday. He will miss some time. Unknown how long at this current point in time, but he will. A.J. Brown, the star receiver for the Tennessee Titans. He will miss some time as well. Drew Locke. Top of Cortland Sutton for the Broncos going on yesterday. Broncos and Giants had a rough day yesterday. But Drew Locke, the very, very, uh, a quarterback that the Broncos are very optimistic on for the future, hurt himself as yesterday as well. And, well, again, there isn't timetables on a lot of these guys yet because a lot of that stuff doesn't get released until, you know, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning for the week. But as far as I know right now, McCaffrey, Garoppolo, Shepard, Brown, and Locke aren't out for the season. They're just going to miss some time, but you're going to want to keep an eye on that. If you have them on your team, you're already looking out for them anyways. But, you know, you're going to want to you're gonna have to play that by ear. Michael Thomas, who was injured last week, uh, hopes to, has said he's healing faster than he thought, and he's hoping to suit up for week three. I wouldn't say it's very likely. He is a major cog in the Saints offense. And if they were especially to come out and win tonight and Monday Night Football against the Raiders, 2-0 with your star player on the sidelines injured, there's really no need to rush him back. No need to rush him back anyways. Uh, but he is a, you know, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a hell of a player. He's, he's a, you know, upper echelon player. He wants to be on the field playing. That's what he does. So he'll be out there if he can. They're hopeful next weekend for week three. I seeing injuries like this throughout all my time as a fan and fantasy football player. I'd be a little more cautious. I don't know. Uh, if you pick somebody up to fill his spot, I would not feel comfortable dropping them yet until you find out more later in the week. But fantasy football is a strange game, guys. It really is. How many? How many of you? who didn't have like a top three or four pick, we're going into week two, especially if you lost a couple uh, a couple of your leagues 
Obviously, it's only one game. You can lose a couple in one week. But the last couple of your leagues, looking at the, uh, the the owners of the teams who got to pick like one, two, three, or four, you know, you got your Saquon Barkleys, you got your Christian McCaffreys, you got your Dalvin Cooks and Alvin Kamaras. Looking at them going, how am I going to compete with those teams, with those caliber players? And then a week like this happens, and or even a day like yesterday happens, not even a whole week, during week two, but it's only one day. And now the entire landscape of the majority of leagues has changed. Now if you had that 5 through 8, 5 through 12 pick, and you got a superstar player that wasn't quite like a Barkley or a CMC, you're looking pretty good now. Because those guys are either done for the year or they're going to miss some time, and who knows how they're going to be when they get back in the game, if they're going to be eased back in. So you're looking pretty good. Uh, another injury I do have to mention, I forgot about. Uh, uh, Devontae Adams, one of the top receivers in the game for the Broncos, did leave early, uh, believed to be a hamstring strain. So that could be something where he's fine to play through it, might miss a game. I'll know more about that. I'll be able to help you out with that on Thursday. Uh, but if you have him on your team, you definitely want to keep an eye on that, how he practices throughout the week, if at all. They have a big game. They have a big game coming up on Monday night next weekend. No, excuse me, they're Sunday night next weekend. So that's not as bad because you'll know usually before you set your lineup at one, sometimes not if the team wants to hold that back. But if he's been practicing, he'll more than likely be playing. But you may need to look into other options for him. Um, Yeah, but like I said, fantasy football is a strange game. And things can change in the course of one game, one week. It, it's it's really something. And it's something that long-time players understand, which is why a lot of late rounds, players who aren't going to start unless injuries occur are picked up. Like I said, some of my leagues, I picked up guys like Alexander Madison and uh, and others who are absolutely backup running backs. But running backs are such a premium in fantasy football that if you have a spot, a bench spot, you may as well throw them on there and just hold them. Just wait. A guy like Deion Lewis, who's the backup for Saquon Barkley with the Giants, is worth taking a look at. Now, he's not Saquon. He's not going to be Saquon. And it's very possible the Giants bring in somebody else to be the number one while Saquon's out, whether it's three agency or a trade. But it may be worth picking him up on the waiver wire just to put him on your bench and hold him. Couldn't hurt. Uh, but that is something that new players will need to understand is that this things can change so quickly in fantasy football. It really is almost week to week sometimes. And it's what I've been telling you from the beginning. I know I make it sound like it's so long ago. This is only episode four you're listening to now. So it's not like it's been years, but there's no guarantees. You can take a Christian McCaffrey first overall. There's no guarantee you're going to get 16 games out of him. That's the player you want to take. There's no doubt. But if he's out, your team takes a big hit. That's kind of the the yin and yang of, of picking early and getting superior talent as opposed to picking later and getting some less big game potential players who are more consistent. But if you lose one of those players, you're, you're not as bad off as losing a McCaffrey or Barkley. But maybe you were smart during your draft. Maybe you picked up some handcuff players, some backup players, 
that are now starters because of injury, and you're in good shape. So hopefully, hopefully that's that's the case if you're out there listening and you lost one of those guys this weekend. Uh, yeah, and it's not even it. That's where research comes into play to know exactly you know who would fill in for certain players in those positions. Uh, but I mean. <laughs> No matter how much research you do, there's just way too many variables and unexpected outcomes to know for sure. That's why it's a game, and that's why it's it's so much fun. Obviously not the players getting hurt part, but the, the variables and unexpected outcomes can be fun. Because you could be going against the highest scoring team in the league, and they could have a down week, and you could end up beating them. And no, you didn't expect that. And that's exciting, and that's fun. It's what makes this game great. As promised, I have gotten a list. Well, a list. It's three. Three players who are some of the bigger uh, fantasy football one-hit wonders of the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Relatively recent. Uh, remember, fantasy football has not always been the billion-dollar industry it is now. Multi-billion-dollar industry it is now. There's a time when it was just people sitting there with pen and a paper playing with a few friends. It wasn't what it's grown into, but I love what it's grown into. It's a lot of fun, and it gives people like myself a chance to do this, talk about something I love, and hopefully help people out there listening, or at least entertain people out there listening, discussing something that they really enjoy doing also. So, some of you who have been playing for a while will remember some of these names very, very well. Some of you may not if you're newer, but I'm going to give a short explanation and this has been, this has been a little, going to be a little bit longer of an episode. I know I said first episode it's going to be probably about fifteen to twenty minutes per episode. This one's probably going to run about half an hour. Um, I think I can give better information and explain things better in a in a half an hour time span than fifteen to twenty minutes. It feels like by the time I start getting into something that can help, it's already over with, and I'm trying to edit it down to fit, and I'm leaving good stuff out. So, I want to make it a little bit longer. Hopefully, you guys don't mind. Hopefully, you enjoy it. But anyways, without further ado, I am going to get to the first player on our infamous list of fantasy football one-hit wonders. The first one, a lot of you remember, Mr. Peyton Hillis. This is a cautionary tale on why you can't just assume a player will perform the same way they did the previous season. He was drafted by the Broncos in the seventh round of the 2008 draft. Spent two seasons with the Broncos where he didn't really do much. Found himself on the Cleveland Browns for the 2010 season. And out of nowhere, this guy blew up. Rushed for almost 1,200 yards. Had 11 rushing touchdowns. 62 receptions for almost 500 yards and a couple more touchdowns. And it looked to everyone like this guy was a star that had just... You know, the diamond in the rough, the star was finally able to shine. He was in the right situation. The Browns were excited. They thought they found their guy. I believe he got a contract extension during that season. Pretty lucrative one, too, considering he was a seventh-round pick. People lost their mind the following draft. This guy was going, like, top three. He came out of nowhere, had one really good season, and people were losing their mind. Because realistically, what are you going to do? What else are you going to do? You figure this guy came out of nowhere and did it. Now they know what he can do. And if the team is smart, 
they put other things in place to help help him succeed, to make him better. And he's going to keep doing it, right? Unfortunately not for Mr. Hillis and the Browns and all of his owners in fantasy football. He spent four more seasons in the league with three different teams. Barely combined in those four seasons for the totals he had during 2010. And he never put another down again. Came out of nowhere. Like a shooting star, right? I know it sounds corny, but it's true. Came out of nowhere. Oh, wow, look at that. And then gone. So, the next one is actually, well, uh, apologies to the Cleveland Browns up front because all of these guys are associated with the Cleveland Browns. So, that wasn't intentional. I actually just realized that now. But it actually might teach them to uh, do their due diligence and maybe vet their players a little bit better. But that's, you know, just my opinion. The next one, Josh Gordon. He appeared to be one of the best young players in the NFL. Superstar in the making. He was actually drafted in the second round by the Browns. Solid rookie year. Very respectable. 50 receptions, 805 total yards. Five touchdowns. He followed that up the next season, 2013. 87 catches for 1,650 yards and nine touchdowns. Oh, by the way, that was just in 14 games. It looked to everybody. He was the next receiving superstar in the league. This guy was going to break records. He was going to be a go-to for the next decade. However, unfortunately for Mr. Gordon, off-the-field issues would see him play just five games the following year in 2014, and he spent the next two full seasons suspended for repeat violations of the league's substance abuse policy. While he's still in the league, technically, I believe he's on the Seahawks now, he has never regained that form. And just from watching him play and watching how teams react to react to him, you'd have to assume he's not going to get back to that level. Uh, seems like a really nice kid. Hopefully he can get the off-the-field stuff straight. But another cautionary tale. You cannot just pick somebody up and assume. And I was guilty of this too. I think the year after he had that breakout year, I think 2014, I drafted him really high because I had, I think, like a 10th or 11th round pick that, or excuse me, overall pick that year. And I think I went Josh Gordon because I was like, I got my number one receiver. And I learned that lesson painfully. So I come here teaching you with experience. The next guy, Trent Richardson, actually drafted the same year by the Browns as uh, Josh Gordon was. But Trent Richardson was a first round pick, third overall. He had a fine rookie year, rushed for almost 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns, which is the big one, especially in fantasy. Guy could rush for 1,000 yards if he only gets in the end zone once or twice. If he's not a receiving threat, well, there's not a lot there for you. But, you know, got in the end zone 11 times. Add to that, he caught 51 passes for 367 yards and another touchdown. And it appeared, again, much like with Josh Gordon, that the Browns, had found their running back of the future. Out of nowhere, it all just went up in smoke. Two games into his second season, he was traded for a first-round pick to the Indianapolis Colts. Shocked everybody. 
including Richardson, he would see his production almost cut in half that season. And he would only play one more mediocre year with the Colts before he was released, and he has not played a game since. So, I know these first couple episodes I've been giving you kind of some past history lessons, and you might be going, well, you know, we kind of we want to hear about the current, not the past so much. I'm not going to be doing these every episode, not every week. This is just to show you guys that you cannot assume how a player will perform based on past production. Nothing's guaranteed. I'm going to continue to beat that drum show after show. Nothing is guaranteed. You can't just set a lineup and say, these are great players. Well, some players you can. Your, your top tier, top notch players you can because you're going to start them no matter what. But as you get down to the middle end parts of your your roster, you can't just assume, oh, I have the best backup player at this position. you got to keep doing research. you got to look into matchups. And just about every fantasy app you can go on has a, a, a plethora of different options for you to do research. So take advantage of those. It really doesn't take that long. The, the whole thing about how it takes too much time, it really doesn't once you get used to it. Maybe maybe when you're getting used to the format or the layout of the, the app or the site. Once you do, though, I mean, really, it, it's a couple minutes a few times a week just to check, and it's worth it. If you really want to play and you want to do well, it's worth it to learn. Once you learn, it doesn't take that long. Okay. Now, do a little segment. We're going to start doing on Mondays during a regular season called Get Up and Let Down. What this is going to be is the good and the bad. Get up. Players that got up were ready, excited, helped your team, and then let down the players that, well, either stunk up the joint or just didn't reach their projections. Not all these players did absolutely awful, but not what they were projected to do and not hurt your team. So, getting to the first part of it, our get-up for our quarterbacks. And there was a lot, I mean a lot, of great fantasy quarterback play yesterday. And this is the exact reason why you hear people say, don't overdraft a quarterback in the fantasy draft. It's cool to have Patrick Mahomes, but you got to give up a second, third round pick to get him. Same with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's great to have him, but you have to give up a really, really early pick to get him when you can have a Russell Wilson in round five or six, a Kyler Murray in round five or six. Cam Newton this year, most drafts, you could have gotten even later than that. So it's, you know, I, I get wanting to have those big name guys, but sometimes it pays to be patient because a lot of the players on this list were guys that were not drafted in the first couple of rounds. So first one, Dak Prescott versus the Falcons, 450 yards, passing touchdown, and three rushing touchdowns led that improbable comeback. That Cowboys defense is not that good. It's not nearly what people thought it was going to be. I would feel very comfortable marching Dak Prescott out there every week. Not that I think the Cowboys are an exceptional team, but for fantasy purposes, Dak is going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to run on the goal line, as proved yesterday, a lot. So feel comfortable marching him out. 
Sam with a guy like Josh Allen against the Dolphins. 350 passing yards, two touchdowns. Does what Josh Allen does. Ran the ball, 57 yards, one more rushing touchdown. He could be the next player you see to get that big contract extension. Not, you know, not a Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes size contract, but you could see him get a really nice extension because I think the Bills are seeing out of him this year that he can be that leader. So next guy, Russell Wilson, five touchdown passes, really, really throws a beautiful deep ball. I was watching that game last night because, you know, full disclosure, I am a Patriots fan. And, my God, Russell Wilson is good. He throws one of the best deep balls in the entire league. The arc he puts on that is just amazing. Drops it right in there. Uh, his counterpart yesterday, Cam Newton, threw for almost 400 yards and a touchdown. Ran for two more. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't run for that last one, but that's just me as a fan talking. Matt Ryan, as usual, great fantasy game. Four touchdowns. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, I'm going to call it now, is going to be the league MVP this year. That kid has just been exceptional. 286 yards, touchdown pass, uh, two more rushing touchdowns, 67 rushing yards. Could have had more, just really didn't have to. They were playing the Washington football team, and the football team did not have the luck they had, or I shouldn't say luck, did not have the quality game they had against the Eagles the week before. So the, the Cardinals really had them handled, but... Yeah, I mean, this this kid looks really good. Honorable mentions, the quarterback. Joe Burrow, first overall pick. 315 yards passing, three touchdowns. You saw flashes of why he was the number one pick. And and, and the fact that his team struggled and didn't look at so consistent on offense is not all his fault either. There's a lot of things that offense is figuring out. But to him go, to go out there and put on a performance like this on a primetime stage like Thursday night, says that the Bengals may very well have their guy of the future. Another one for the L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert. I believe he was the sixth overall pick. Uh, out of nowhere, started. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was supposed to start and ended up having a pregame chest injury. I'm not really sure what happened there, but he couldn't play. Herbert ended up getting a start on short notice without taking a lot of first-team snaps during practice. This kid was great. Threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown. Rushed for a touchdown. The Chiefs defense is no joke, especially with guys like Chris Jones. Herbert did not look scared. He has some stuff he has to work on. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Joe Montana. But kid looked really good. I think the Chargers may have found their guy as well. A lot of really good quarterback play in the league this year. Especially for fantasy purposes. Remember, you don't need their team to win for them to be a valuable fantasy quarterback. Guys who are on questionable teams sometimes make the best fantasy quarterbacks because they are constantly trying to come back and they're throwing the ball. So now that the running backs who got up, Nick Chubb. Boy, there's some windows there, but I'm going to leave that alone. Nick Chubb versus the Bengals, 124 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Doesn't really play a part in the passing game, as I've said before. Once in a while he will, but he's not the focal point of the receiving game out of the backfield. The Browns want to and need to run the ball. That offense needs to feed up the running game to open things up for Baker Mayfield. And they did exactly what they had to do on Thursday against the Bengals. They got out to a lead using ball control offense, used running Nick Chubb, and which opened up the passing game for Baker Mayfield. So Nick Chubb had a great game. Aaron Jones 
Aaron Jones should be first on the list because of the game he had versus the Lions. That guy was exceptional. He only wasn't first because the way I wrote it up was Nick Chubb played Thursdays. That was first, so Jones was second. But 168 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Wasn't involved a lot in the passing game this week, but he is a very capable receiver out of the backfield. That's not a problem. Just didn't happen for him this week. Didn't really need to the way he played. Uh, He is a key member, a focal point of that Packers offense. I was not always an Aaron Jones believer after the first few years he had in the league. Since the start of last season, they have proven me wrong. This guy is the real deal, and I would feel more than comfortable running him out there every single week based on how the Packers use him, based on what he's shown. This guy is exceptional, and I was wrong on this one, so... Good for Aaron Jones, and uh, yeah, he's he's a good one. Leonard Fournette of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Panthers. 103 yards and two touchdowns. Really nice game for him. Just be cautious. I'm not trying to be a downer. If you have Fournette and you started him, it paid off for you. Good job. But you have to be cautious. With the receiving core in Tampa, there's going to be passing dominant games. They also have Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, and they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, who they would more than likely want to get involved in the offense some way. I'd pick up Fournette if he's available, because in the case of injuries, or maybe he is the one that steps up and takes the lead in that backfield, if he's available, pick him up. Doesn't hurt. Just be cautious. Be very cautious. Don't just assume every week is going to be the Leonard Fournette show because I don't trust that Tampa backfield to have a consistent player. To have good quality running yards per game? Absolutely. You just don't know where it's going to come from. Is it going to come from one player? Is it going to be a split amongst several players? You want to be careful. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb's, you know, quote, backup, had one of the best games of the week. 86 rushing yards, one touchdown, receiving touchdown. Hunt and Chubb are the best one-two punch in the game. Hands down, no doubt. They're not always going to both be top running backs each week, statistically. But, I mean, if it's a game where they got Browns got to come from behind, it's probably going to be Kareem Hunt number one. If it's a game where they're ahead and they're able to control the ball, it's going to be Chubb. Either way, though, if you have either of those two guys on your team, you're very happy this week and you feel pretty good going forward. Honorable mention for running backs, David Montgomery. 82 yards, forty along with 45 receiving yards and a touchdown. Only bring him up because he actually left the game for what seemed like quite a while. It was called a neck injury. He not only came back and played, he came back and was a key factor in the Bears winning. He proved he was tough. They proved they trust him. I'd feel very good about David Montgomery going forward. I don't believe he's even on the injured list, so whatever whatever it was that was ailing him for that time he was out, was not terrible, but, I mean, I'd feel good about running him. I have him on a few teams. I'm definitely starting him next week because Mitchell Trubisky is insanely inconsistent, and the Bears are going to want to run the ball. They have Tariq Cohen, who they just gave an extension to, and Montgomery. It's going to be another one-two punch. They can both be on the field at the same time. Definitely feel good about Montgomery. On the receivers, Calvin Ridley, 
I'm going to say this right now. Calvin Ridley is the new number one receiver in Atlanta. It's not Julio Jones anymore. It's not Julio. Start From the start of last season, the, the Falcons have seemingly been content to make Julio Jones the highest paid decoy in football history. They don't go throw to him as much. And to be honest, he dropped, he dropped an easy touchdown for him yesterday. He's not helping his case any either. Calvin Ridley's making plays. He's coming through. He had seven catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. I'd feel really good about starting him going forward. Stefan Diggs of the Bills, eight catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. When Stefan Diggs is about as close to Amari Cooper as you can imagine, supremely talented, physically gifted, but inconsistent. Stefan Diggs can give you eight for 150 for the next three weeks. And then he can disappear for a month and get you two for 25. You're going to want to be careful. If he's your, you know, second, third, fourth receiving option, well, he's your fourth. He did a real good job drafting. Let me say that right now. But if he's, you know, in that range for you, yeah, throw him out there. No problem. If you didn't focus on Brad receiver early and Stefan Diggs is your number one, you're going to really want to look into trying to shore up some more consistency in the players below him because you can't always count on him to have a game like that. Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team. It still seems weird to say, but it is what it is. Seven catches for 125 and a touchdown. He's the best receiver on that team. He's the number one. He's the guy they're going to go to. I would not be too worried about throwing him out there. The only thing is, if you're going against a stellar defense that can pressure the passer... Well, he may struggle because you won't be able to get the ball to him, but most weeks you're going to feel good about that. Mike Evans and Tom Brady seemed to click yesterday. Seven catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. I would be cautious of Evans as well. Brady, if you watched any of the game or saw any of the highlights, there's a flea flicker play that the Bucks did. Brady got the ball back, had a wide open receiver running down the field. guy, Nobody within five yards of this guy. He had to actually come back and catch the ball. He got it. It was, it was a completed pass. But the receiver had to come back and catch it because Brady couldn't hit him in stride. Brady cannot throw a steady deep ball anymore. Chris Godwin was out yesterday. Scotty Miller appears to be a favorite target of Brady. With those two guys, once they're both there, if you're facing a team that can rush the passer, Mike Evans is not going to be as effective. Not his talent level. Nothing wrong with that. He's still got all the game in the world. But not trying to be a downer, just be cautious. Finally, Julian Edelman of the Patriots. Eight catches for 179 yards. Seems to have incredibly good chemistry with Cam Newton, which is encouraging for Edelman going forward. As long as Edelman's healthy, you're going to throw him out there because he can do this. He can consistently go out there and get you you know, six for 75, 80 yards, throw a touchdown in there as the icing on the cake. He's going to be consistent and steady as long as he's healthy. All right, now we got our top quarterback, running back, and receiver. Uh, I didn't do tight end because no tight end had a, well, there were some good games yesterday, but not everybody has a tight end in their league. And it's such a hard position to judge. It's so back and forth. My best advice for you on tight end is just, be smart. Look at the look at the matchups. Hopefully you drafted one of the top three, four, five. And then after that, it, it really is a crapshoot. 
It's a much better position than it was a few years ago when it was pretty much like Gronk and Travis Kelsey, maybe Zach Ertz, and that's it. Now you have guys like George Kittle, Mark Edwards of the uh, Ravens. But, yeah, it's, it's not... It's 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 not a super super deep position. Uh, Darren Waller also I forgot about Darren Waller, but there's there's some good players, but it, it's not one where I'm gonna go over every week. Um, unless you guys really want me to, if you do, no problem. But for now, I'm gonna stick to quarterback, running back, receiver. All right, real quick now, we're gonna get on to the letdown players. Uh, this isn't gonna take as long because well, I don't want to dwell on the negative. Uh, and speaking of negative, first up, quarterback, very let down, Kirk Cousins, 113 passing yards, three interceptions, absolutely putrid performance. I know the Colts have a good defense. With the offensive weapons that Kirk Cousins has, there's no excuse for him being this inconsistent constantly. There's no excuse for it. I know there's a lot of times I say, oh, it was, it was this variable or that variable. This is a Kirk Cousins problem. It's not his circumstances. It's him. I would not feel confident in the least if I had a rash of quarterback injuries and I had to pick up Kirk Cousins, even as a streamer, even as a one-week option, and throw him out there. Now, he could have massive games. He's going to have games where he's coming from behind in garbage time or where they get out to an early lead where he hits Adam Thielen for a few long receptions or Justin Jefferson or... Uh, you know, uh, Rudolph, the tight end, Dalvin Cook. But you cannot rely on Kirk Cousins. He is not good. And I, if I were you, I'd stay away from him. Tom Brady of the Panthers, not a huge letdown, not not awful. 217 passing yards and a touchdown. He really didn't have to do a whole lot more. The running game was effective. This isn't a knock on him. This is just simply saying... If the game plan plays out the way I think the Bucks want it to, you're not going to see a whole lot of Brady 400-yard passing in three touchdown days. Those days are behind Brady for the most part. But, you know, not not a, not a killer yesterday, but he didn't quite hit his projection. Carson Wentz looks terrible. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with that guy. They have some more weapons on offense. They had Miles Sanders back, who did well. Uh, they have, uh, what's his name, Jalen Regar, who they drafted. They have two phenomenal tight ends. Supposedly had a decent offensive line. This guy can't seem to find receivers. I don't know what's wrong, if it's an injury, if it's something, but I would not be confident putting Wentz out there right now. Uh, I don't think, I wouldn't hold on to him. If you have a better option, I think you're fine letting him go. I don't think you're going to regret it. Uh, he did have a rushing touchdown yesterday. Only threw for 242 yards and had two interceptions. Not great. And based on what I've seen from the Eagles, I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better. So I, you're going to want to be very cautious with him if you have to use him. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, before people lose their mind that I just said Lamar's name and the letdown, just hear me out. Didn't quit his projections. I would not worry at all about Lamar. It's, it was just simply... The game plan the Texans had against him was actually somewhat effective for uh, against a player of Lamar Jackson's uh, caliber. He's going to be fine. He's going to have massive games. He is going to make you competitive every week. Don't worry about that. Uh, you might need to worry about Deshaun Watson 
because I think incredibly high of Deshaun Watson, but um, apparently the Texans didn't think highly enough of him to actually give him some talent to work with. I don't know. You're certainly not going to drop Deshaun Watson, but if you can get anything for him valuable in a trade, if you need another position and you have someone else at quarterback, you may want to consider that. The running backs, Derrick Henry, 84 yards rushing, a non-factor in the passing game. Uh, I got to tell you, Derrick Henry's first couple years in the league, I was very, very unsure of him. Uh, The 2018 season, he ended on a couple of really, really high notes, really awesome games. Was very good last year, very good to great last year. It was a real high pick going into this year. And I said many times, you know, which Derrick Henry is the real Derrick Henry? Is it the guy who's going out there and, and, you know, playing his tail off and getting really big numbers each week and carrying the offense? Or is it the guy who was hit or miss the first couple of seasons in the league? You couldn't really rely on him. Uh, I'm not going to say he's that guy yet you can't rely on. It could have just been a couple of down games. He did have over 100 rushing yards last week, 84 this week. Ryan Tannehill had a very nice passing game this week, so he may not have been needed as much as he has been in the past. But I would be cautious. Again, just, you know, you're going to go out there and start him, but if he has a couple more down games, you may want to look at trying to trade him for whatever you can. You may want to, um, he's probably your number one running back if you have him, which is a problem. But you may want to try to trade him to somebody for whatever you can get for him. If you have another need, you may want to put him on the bench during matchups that aren't favorable. I don't know. I don't think you have to go to that extreme just yet. That could be something down the road. But he definitely underperformed, and he was the only one of the running backs, of the the major running backs that drastically underperformed his projection, drastically. So that's something to be cautious of, something to keep an eye out for. Two more guys on the list, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the Chargers. He only had 38 rushing yards. Caught fixed six passes for 32 yards. Not what he was in week one, but even Mahomes struggled for a good portion of this game against that extremely good, extremely good Chargers defense. Um, I don't worry about him. Edward Tillaire, he, he's a rookie. He's going to have some games that are, you know, not quite up to par. More often than not, he's going to be rolling right along with that offense. He's going to be fine. Even yesterday, he wasn't terrible. I mean, if you're even in a half-point league with the six catches, he got you probably 9 to 10 total points. So not awful, but a lot of people did draft him as the one. I wouldn't worry too much. Unless it becomes a pattern of him struggling, I wouldn't worry. He's going to be fine. David Johnson, on the other hand, against Baltimore, 34 rushing yards, two catches for 16 yards. It's pretty clear at this point that David Johnson, who was the fantasy football stud and a clear running back one a few years ago, is gone. He doesn't seem like he's coming back. He was one of the few people I thought would be able to help Deshaun Watson in some way. It does not appear he's going to be that player. He is absolutely touchdown dependent. He's going to have some really good games. You just can't count on him. Fortunately for most people, he was far from their first running back off the board. I saw him going rounds like four to six on average during the draft. So he's at best the second option, probably a third or fourth realistically for most people, kind of like Le'Veon Bell is now. 
which is weird to say David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell as a third or fourth option, but that's what it's come to. You're going to have some good games from him, uh, but there's going to be times where you want to look for a better choice. Wide receiver letdowns, Julio Jones, two catches for 24 yards. Matt Ryan threw him a bomb that went off his hands. Very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, He supposedly played through a hamstring injury. He's played through a lot of injuries in his career. Julio's a tough guy. He's an exceptional talent, but it seems that at this point in his career, maybe a few games a year, he's going to have a big game. Looks like Calvin Ridley's the number one, as I said earlier. They also have Russell Gage, who they've gotten involved. They have uh, Hayden Hurst, who's a tight end, who they want to get involved. They have Todd Gurley now at running back, even though he's not great. These are all players they want to tie in. They don't want to be predictable and just throw to Julio 20 times a game. And as I said, he didn't help himself. He had that bomb that went off his hands that would have easily made it respectable day had he caught it you're obviously not going to drop julio you're still going to start julio i hope for the sake of you guys out there listening he's not your wide receiver one but he might be in some cases and you're going to have to try to make the best of that and again he's one of those players where if you can get anything for him in a trade you very well may want to do that ellen robinson had a really really good week one three catches for 33 yards in this one even though the bears won it's not Allen Robinson's talent, much like an Adam Thielen. It's his quarterback's inconsistency. You know, Thielen with Kirk Cousins, Allen Robinson with Mitchell Trubisky. Even when Trubisky might have a big game every now and then, uh, it's not consistent. And there's no guarantee it's going to lead to Robinson having a big game. He could throw to somebody else. Allen Robinson is going to have great games. And he's going to have some less than stellar games because of Mitch Trubisky's inconsistency. One of those guys you may want to consider moving if you can for a player that is more consistent. Uh, If you're in a position where you can have him, you know, feast or famine and it won't kill your team, good for you. But uh, I don't have him in any of my leagues because of Trubisky, not because of him. Robinson's great, but Devontae Adams, three catches for 36 yards. Suffered a hamstring injury, missed a lot of the second half. Um, if this guy's on the field, don't worry about him. He's on the field. He's the number one for the Packers by far. He's Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. You're going to have a game every now and then where you have like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard. Those guys might have more targets than normal. That happens with every team. Nothing to worry about. Uh, Adam's hamstring injury does not seem to be that severe. So hopefully it's not, and he's able to get back on the field. But if he's on the field, you're starting him. He's one of the top receivers in the game, no doubt. And the guy I just talked about a lot already, so I don't have to do it again. Adam Thielen, three catches, 31 yards. Had a really nice week in week one because the Vikings were down so much because Kirk Cousins cannot maintain consistency. So this is going to be the Adam Thielen story. It's which Kirk Cousins are you going to get? Um, Even a bad Kirk Cousins can give Thielen a good game. Can you afford that? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, depending on your receiver situation. Be cautious. You may have to play the matchups. Adam Thielen is an absolutely phenomenal talent. Should be a top five receiver in the game. If his quarterback had anything resembling consistency, he doesn't. So this is where we are. That is going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Football Advocate. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. Ran a little longer than normal. But I think as long as I can keep the content informative and entertaining, you guys won't mind too much. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I ask that you please subscribe. 
And if you feel so inclined, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review. And if you could, tell a friend or two about the show. Help spread the word. Uh, I do have some fun things planned over the next few weeks. I uh, did not get the website up and running before this episode released. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm hoping to have a YouTube channel. Also, we're able to, able to have some different content on days that I don't actually have the podcast release. So stay tuned for that. There'll be more information on this podcast and social media coming up. After I actually release this episode, I'm going to be working on opening the Twitter account. So by the time next episode comes around, I will have that up and running. Until then, if you have any questions or comments pertaining to the show, you can email me at theffadvocate at gmail.com. Until Thursday, please play smart, have fun, and I will talk to you then.